Hey guys, Stephen Box, host of the Unshakable Habits podcast here, bringing you a couple of quick updates on the podcast. So number one, in the next few days, you guys are going to be seeing multiple episodes get released at once. We're talking maybe seven or eight different episodes, and I just wanted to give you a heads up about it. Don't be surprised when you see it coming. And the reason we're doing this is... We are changing the format of the show, and these episodes, while they are great, while the, ep- while the information in them is absolutely fantastic, they just didn't quite fit the new formatting. So I wanted to go ahead and still get those out so you guys have an opportunity to listen to them. And then in the next few weeks, we're going to be relaunching the podcast with a brand new focus and a brand new format. Now, it's still Unshakable Habits. We're still going to be focused on habits. We're still going to be focused on routines. But specifically, we're going to be talking about habits and routines that are going to help you create wins for your health, mindset, relationships, faith, and career. And we're going to be doing both solo episodes as well as guest episodes, but rather than one long episode, we're going to be breaking them up and we're going to do multiple episodes per week. And each episode is going to be about 10 to 20 minutes long. And it's going to be really focused on one specific topic where we can deep dive into that topic and give you guys actionable steps that you can take with you that day. So that is the big change that we have coming up for the podcast. And I just wanted you to be aware of it. And I look forward to hearing your feedback on it. You can, of course, always connect with me on social media at Unshakable Habits. It's going to be my handle in most places. And I would just love to hear you guys' feedback on the new format as it comes out. So with that, guys, allow me to remind you, as always, that while none of us are born unshakable, we can all become unshakable. As you work on yourself and you start to understand yourself at a deeper level, your communication style is going to be completely different because you're going to be more patient. You're going to be more empathetic. You're going to be more understanding because you're going to realize not everybody is out to get you and you are a valuable human being. Right, guys. So as you can see, this week I have Kevin Palmieri with me from Next Level University, and I'm looking forward looking forward to our conversation today. So, Kevin, thanks for joining me. Absolutely, my friend. You and I have been chatting for a minute now, so I'm excited to join and uh, see where our conversation takes us today. Yeah, and and for longtime listeners of the show, they might be thinking Next Level University. I'm pretty sure I've heard that somewhere before, and that is because we did have your partner on uh, Alan mm. uh, back in the uh, first season of the podcast. So many so moons ago, back. <laughs> yes, <laughs> to have you guys back. <laughs> I appreciate. It. I heard many good things from Alan, so I'll, I'll get I'll give him my perspective after today. Awesome, sounds like a plan. So. You and I were talking before the interview here, and we talked about this idea about self-worth. And mm. I think this is an interesting conversation for a lot of men because most guys, we think about self-confidence, right? We think about our perceptions, but it's usually from an external validation, right? Our job title, how much money we make, the things that we can provide to our families, things like that, right? Mm-hmm. But none of that really is about self-worth. And you 
you kind of talked about how you have a, a different perspective of what self-worth is. So you, you want to dive into that? Yeah, it's, it's very, very interesting. I think of it from two perspectives. I think of self-worth and self-belief. So self-worth, well, as you say, self-belief. Self-belief is your belief in your own capabilities of creating an outcome. Yeah. So on a scale of one to 10, how much do you believe that you can build a treehouse right now? 10, awesome. Self-worth is deserving it is belonging there. It's actually having the internal value of treating yourself to the level that you should be treated. Mm -hmm. So just as an example, Stephen, I had a call with somebody recently, and this is a very masculine human being who has a brand built on helping other men. Yep. So very, very, very similar to you. Yep. We were talking about his podcast and turning his coaching business, making it bigger and all that stuff. I said, all right, let's do this. On a scale of one to 10, how much do you believe in your own unique capability to do that? And he said, 10, it's done, I can do it. Yep. It's done, I know how to do it. I said, okay, interesting. On a scale of one to 10, how much do you feel like you actually deserve to get all the benefits of the results that you're gonna create? And he looked at me, Steve, and he went, oh no. He said, maybe two? I said, that's a problem. This isn't a, I don't know how to do it, I can't do it thing. This is a, even if I was to do it, I wouldn't feel comfortable stepping into the success I've created because I identify as somebody who has low self-worth. That, I think, is a bigger problem for men than we realize. And I had that for a long time. Yeah. I had that for a long, long, long time, and I looked for all the external things to, to fix it. Yeah, and it's interesting that you bring this up because... I wanted to give some kudos to this guy for actually recognizing that, right? Because I mm. think for a lot of guys, they don't have that level of, of awareness. If you say to them, do you actually feel like you deserve these things? They're going to be like, I mean, yeah, I, I think so, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> it, it's kind of, there's a little hesitation, that little uncertainty in the answer. But I, I don't know that a lot of guys could really give themselves that, that, score so yeah. how do you how does one know like how do you know that that imposter syndrome i think is a common terminology for it here how do you know that that's setting in and that you have it it's a challenge because it's almost like i think the level that you feel you deserve something should be connected directly to the level of effort you've put in mm -hmm. so that if you've been putting level 10 effort in and you feel like you deserve it at a level two, I would argue that you probably have a low self-worth issue. On the opposite end, if you've been putting in a level two effort and you feel you deserve level 10 results, you have delusionally high self-worth, which is just as yeah. potentially bottlenecking because here's the interesting thing. If you have low self-belief, you don't take action, you don't get results, you don't get feedback, you don't get proof. If you have hyper high self-belief, you might convince yourself you don't even need to try. Okay, that's gonna hold you back. Low self-worth, you don't feel like you deserve it, so you may never try. High self-worth, you don't think you have to try because you think you deserve it by default. Yeah. That's a very, very dangerous place to live, and that shows up in relationships. And So, yeah, I would say the best way, number one, I think we all intuitively know if we ask ourselves a question, Yeah. but if you were to compare the level of effort you're putting in versus the level you feel you deserve the results, I think that's probably a, a pretty fair place to start. Okay. So can we maybe make that more concrete? Mm. Let's give a specific example of what might it look like to feel like you don't deserve the results. What might it look like? 
I mean, to your point, imposter syndrome, Mm -hmm. almost extreme humility to the level of self-deprecation. So if somebody said to you, say you have the result, right? This, This happened for me a lot early on. People would say, you guys are really good podcasters and congrats on all of your success. I didn't have the self-worth to own that. So I'd say, no, it's nothing. Now we're not doing anything different. Like it's not that big of a deal. All of that is basically me giving away the wonderful gifts of compliments that you're giving me. Cause I don't feel I deserve it. I just low key don't think I'm that good. So that can't be real. And I can't own that. So yeah, if you find yourself struggling with owning compliments, that's another telltale sign that you probably have low, lower self-worth. Yeah, I love that that example because when you start thinking about specific instances of where this might show up, I think compliments are one of those really big ones. Yeah. A lot of guys, and we don't talk about this enough as men, a lot of guys have been taught that you don't want to be cocky, that you don't want to be arrogant, that you don't want to be egotistical. And it can very much feel like if someone gives you a compliment that any positive response you have to that throws you into those categories. Fair. And the result of it is that a lot of us shy away from those compliments. Mm. And in doing so, without maybe even realizing it, we are telling ourselves that we're not worth it. I would, this is an interesting thing. If you've ever given someone a compliment and they owned it, I'm willing to bet you probably didn't think they were arrogant. Mm-hmm. If you're watching or listening. Yeah. I think arrogance is confidence without competence. Yeah. I think self-deprecation is competence without confidence. You're actually really, really good at something, but you never own it. Yeah. That, you're not arrogant if you're actually good at it. Yeah. Really. Now, here's the, here's the tough part. Around some people, you will always be arrogant because they don't have the le- they might not have the level of belief you have. That's why it gets wonky. Is in some groups you'll never be arrogant, in some groups you may always be considered arrogant. But you have to know what your truth is. I get a lot of compliments on you're a really good speaker. I get that often. Awesome. Yeah. Usually, what I'll say is, and whether I am or not, I don't know. But usually, what I'll say is, thank you so much. I've worked really, really hard at this, and I just have a lot of reps under my belt. That's the truth. Yeah. I'm trying to own it, but I'm not going to say, thank you so much. I do think I'm the best. I am the best this side of the Mississippi. I know that. Yeah. That's different. That's different. So yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. And anytime you, anytime you're in communities with other people, it gets wonky because it's their perspective of you against your perspective of you. And things get really, really muddied when that happens. Yeah. And it's so interesting how a lot of times other people have a higher opinion of us than we have of ourselves. Yes. Yes. But the moment that you do start to acknowledge yourself and that you start to take credit, not really take credit per se, but we'll just say that when you actually recognize your work and the dividends that it's paying, and you'll find that people start to get negative towards you, right? It's like the more, the more positivity you're doing, the more other people start wanting to bring you down. And it can be difficult, I think, to realize that people aren't doing that because they have something against you. It's not about them thinking that you're cocky or arrogant or whatever. That's about their self-worth coming out. Mm. That's about them wanting to keep you down by their level because it's painful when you're growing or when someone around you is growing and you're not. That hurts a lot of people. 
I had a girlfriend who, when I was 25, she had massive goals, massive dreams, a ton of self-belief, a ton of self-worth. I'd argue maybe over on self-worth. And she wanted to move across the country and chase her dreams. And I told her it was stupid because I couldn't handle, just to your point, I couldn't handle that. To me, it was like, no, that's not going to work. I don't believe in myself, so there's no way I can believe in you. I don't think I'm capable of doing that, so there's no way you're capable of doing that. All of that was very, very unconscious. I wasn't thinking that way. And then a layer below that is, I was afraid she was going to leave me behind. Yeah. Because I knew if she knew how great she was, she actually would leave. And she did. And she should have. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, that that is a very challenging piece to this whole thing. Yeah. Now, what I would, to your point, what I would argue is if you can be empathetic and just understand, for me, it's somewhat easy to be empathetic because I've been there. I know what it's like to have the fear of being left behind. So now I can stay, okay, this person saying all these things probably isn't super fulfilled if they're taking time out of their Wednesday to reach out to me to throw scarcity at the abundance I have. Yeah. Okay, I can kind of understand that, but it, it comes with practice and unfortunately exposure. Yeah, and I think so much of it is anticipating it, right? As you start to change your self-worth, your value of your self-worth anyways, and you start to show up as your authentic self, you start being willing to put yourself out there more because you're going to have that confidence to do so there's going to be people who are going to sling arrows mm. and you might want to decide up front how you want to handle that. Right. And I think that you really kind of laid out the best approach there, which is be willing to sit back and ask yourself, what does this person really have going on and, and have empathy towards their situation and not just lash back because again, so much of this stuff goes back to your thoughts have such an impact on you because if you start worrying about everything that everybody says and you start feeling like you need to defend yourself against everything everybody says all you're doing is bringing your self-worth back down yeah yeah or overinflating it one or the other yeah you you're gonna probably get arrogant yeah you're gonna you're gonna get arrogant and i think the the biggest piece to this whole thing is this is the interesting thing it's almost like at times this is the negative side of it at times, you almost get reprimanded for digging into your past and learning about yourself at a deeper level by people who are yet to do that. Yeah. That's the reason it happens is you're a potentially shining example on the things that they haven't learned about themselves yet, and that's totally understandable. Again, I've been in that position. The, the first step is figuring out where does the low self-worth come from? Yeah. And from me specifically, and many people I've seen, it's not it's either not having a male figure around mm -hmm. or having a very, very, very negative male figure who makes you feel bad about yourself consistently, which then becomes your identity is I'm not good enough. I always make mistakes. I never do it right. Not smart enough, blah, blah, blah. And that runs your life. And until something happens in your life, it's very hard to recognize that. Now, I'm grateful we're having this conversation the way we are because maybe you'll hear something and say, interesting. Every time somebody gives me a compliment, I run in the other direction. Mm. Or the 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 way I look to find a partner is based on how many of my insecurities they'll be able to solve for me. That is a low self-worth approach. Again, did it. Same thing. My girlfriend was a model. Yeah, I feel really good about that. That's not the answer. Right. Yeah, and I think 
again, going back to this idea of external validation, we've, I think most of us have been there at some point, right? Where whether it's the job title, the, the beautiful, you know, wife or girlfriend, the, the car, or whether it's just being able to go out and buy the new pair of sneakers, right? Mm-hmm. No matter where somebody falls kind of on that, you know, path of success, we all, I think at some point have probably done it where we look to something outside of us to validate us. If I try to think of it from the perspective of, you know, the Libra scales, yeah. I think of external results, internal not balance, but I don't know, internal success, external success, internal success, whichever one has more in it, the opposite is probably going to be a big bottleneck for you. Yeah. So you go get all the external success, the Delta, the, the void, the missing piece, the bottleneck, the blind spot. It's the thing that you haven't worked on. And usually for men, it tends to be the internal stuff. Yeah. The, 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 the weird thing is Steven, Think about young women. A lot of girls, young young women, girls, they're journaling when they're very, very young. What is that? That's self-awareness. That's intuition. That's internal stuff. Yeah. The, the more okay you become with that, like learning about yourself is always going to be super important. Knowing what your traumas, triggers, fear response is, insecurities, that stuff is some of the... It makes you feel pretty weak yeah. when you're doing it, but that is some of the strongest work you can do as a man. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of value to having this conversation too, right? Where as men, we've been taught, don't feel your emotions, keep everything inside, focus on the thing in front of you, be a problem solver, right? Those are the things that we're kind of taught and it's not, we'll solve the problem by figuring out what happened 10, 15, 20 years ago that's making you believe and act the way you're acting now. No, it's just like, what are the practical steps I can take to solve this in the next 10 minutes? And that's what we're taught as men. And not only taught, but that's what society has reinforced to us. Yet, like you just said, women, it's the exact opposite. They're basically encouraged from a young age to look inside, to be aware of what they're feeling what's going on. So it's it's just a very interesting contrast between the two. Well, if you think about it, in the grand scheme of things, we haven't been civilized for that long. So there's only been a few generations of potentially bad or good advice. Yeah. It's starting to shift now. I mean, mental health is is on the up and up and more people are talking about it. It's very hard to change the conversation around this because a lot of the people that are giving the advice are the people who still believe this. Yeah. So that's really hard where I never resonated with a lot of the stuff I used to hear because you could tell these people had level 10 belief in themselves. Yeah. And I didn't have level. It's like, just go do it. You have to do it and be confident. I understand that. I don't know how to be confident. I need help with that. Yeah. Or you're worth it. You deserve it. You belong. It's like, no, I understand. But how do I, how do I work through that? I had a I call with somebody the other day. And this is a podcaster I'm working with. And he said, it's interesting, Kev, the stuff that means the most to me is the stuff that I struggle to promote the most, or I struggle to talk about. Let's just say talk about in, instead of promote. Yep. And I said, interesting, is there a history of that? And he said, yeah, I wrote a book. I mean, I have a book on Amazon right now, but nobody knows about it because it's something very near and dear to me, but I've never spoken about it. 
interesting. Mm. We, we dug and we dug and we dug and we dug. And this is what we got to. I said, can I just throw a question out there? He said, yeah, of course. I said, were you raised in a society and or household that was extremely judgmental of you being loud, being proud of what you do, talking kindly of yourself, like owning it? And he said, absolutely. I said, there it is. That's it. That is showing up in the way you post on social media, the way you record your podcast episodes, your coaching calls, every single thing you do. So that person, that's a self-worth issue. Yeah. He's been told to not be worthy, basically. Don't own your greatness. Don't lean into it. That is a very, very, very challenging place to live. Now, luckily for him, he seeks advice and he works on himself where other people potentially go over, like you said, and then they're, they become toxic because they think that's what they're supposed to be. Yeah, I think it's also interesting as you were talking about that, one of the thoughts that kind of popped in my head of where could that come from is for some people, it might be not necessarily that they were told to not embrace those things or whatever. It may not have necessarily been a negative situation, but it's the fear of that happening, right? So even if they didn't experience it directly, there's still this unconscious fear of it. And especially if it's things that you value, especially if it's things that are important to you and you start putting that stuff out there you start telling people about it. What if somebody comes along and says, well, that's just stupid. <laughs> right? yeah. And now you're like, oh crap. And now the, the worry kicks in of people are going to find out that you don't know as much as you portrayed to know and that you're this imposter. And, and it goes right back to the conversation we started having and these are the things that maybe you don't think of yourself as someone who doesn't value yourself, right? Maybe you think that you have good self-worth, but maybe as you're hearing this, you start going, yeah, you know what? I, I am sometimes afraid to be my authentic self. Maybe if I'm around my close friends, they know me really well, I can be my authentic self. But when I get in front of strangers, I'm scared to be the authentic me. That's a self-worth issue. And it's understandable. It, that that's the the strange thing is being authentic is one of the hardest things in the world. Yeah, there's a there's always an ego level of because I was gonna say if you struggle with setting boundaries, usually boundaries is a self worth thing. Mm -hmm. But somebody might say, well, I don't I don't struggle at all setting boundaries. It's like, okay, well, how do you set boundaries? Yeah, do you set them just by saying, I'm gonna go f what every everybody thinks? That might not be you being good at setting boundaries. That just might be an arrogant way for you to get out of a situation you're uncomfortable in. Yep. So there's layers and layers and layers and layers to all of this that it just takes years and years of self-reflection. But it starts from the place of understanding that this will be worth it. If you think of it this way, if you more accurately wage your self-belief and your self-worth, wouldn't your relationships just automatically improve because you would be setting boundaries and you'd be a more supportive partner or you'd believe in the relationship more, whatever it is. If you can work on this stuff, although it sucks and it's uncomfortable, the ROI, the return on the investment for this is huge. Yeah. So we, we can dive into that here in just a minute. I was just going to share Please. real quickly though, before we do that, I think, you know, for a lot of people, this may feel like an either or thing, right? Either I have low self-worth or I have maybe too much self-worth, right? I, I think too highly of myself. Like you said, the results aren't necessarily showing it. Mm. 
And then, you know, this idea of like somewhere in the middle is the perfect place to be. And I just want to point out that this is not an either or thing. It's actually like a spectrum. Mm-hmm. And it's completely possible for someone to actually experience both ends of the spectrum. That was my situation. You know, I remember we moved when I was about seven years old. Whole new state, whole new school, everything. So I went from being a kid who, I don't know if I was popular or not. I mean, I was in second grade. I didn't really think about it from that perspective. (laughs) A lot of parties, getting invited to all the parties in second grade. (laughs) Yeah, you know, going to all the birthday parties, right? Um, Playing with Transformers. But I fit in, right? I didn't feel like I didn't fit in. It is, I think, maybe the best way to say that. And then we moved, and now all of a sudden, I'm in a whole different state. I'm the kid with the funny accent, right? And I became a target for bullying. And what the bullying actually did for me was when, when we first moved, I went from someone who probably had a good amount of self-worth because I made good grades in school. I felt good about where things were. I was confident in myself. And then all of a sudden my grades started falling. I'm getting bullied. I'm going through all these struggles. And around this time, my dad actually got sick. He passed away about three years after we moved. And I think my self-worth kind of plummeted, right? Mm. But then middle school, we got into, we used to call them clown contest, uh, where you're telling like your mama jokes and stuff like that. And I found out that I was really good at getting people to laugh, especially by insulting other people. And so I started using that as a defense mechanism. And as a result, I began to have to look down on other people in order to make myself feel okay about standing out in this way. And it, for me, evolved into arrogance and cockiness to where early in my career, I was very braggadocious about what I could do. And I backed it up. Don't get me wrong. Okay. I would go on the sales floor and I would back it up, but then I would rub people's face in it. Mm. And it was a very arrogant way of being. And it wasn't until a few years later through a lot of reading and educating myself and learning about leadership and things like that, that I started to recognize my own patterns and I was able to change them and able to come back to a more neutral place. So for me, it's like I went through the whole spectrum, right? like everything from extremely low self-worth to very overly uh, self-worth, you know, so I, I get the whole spectrum. So I just wanted to kind of share that and point out to people that it is a spectrum and you can experience every single bit of it. I'm very glad you did. Yeah, we call it the drive to five. The five's the middle. That's five's balanced. Yeah. I we went to I was somebody who had very low self-worth. We went to a an event, a Brendan Burchard event, and I came back and my self-worth was through the roof. And it was not it wasn't accurate. I mean, yeah, I was around a bunch of people who valued me for the first time ever. But that's, there you go. They valued me and increased my self-worth. We, we always, the analogy I've always used is when you get a new bout of confidence, belief, or a new bout of self-worth, it's a, it's a tool or a weapon you don't know how to use yet. Yeah. So it's just like a nail gun. You're shooting nails all over the place. You just don't know how to use it yet. That's okay. You know, sometimes you break rapport with that. So let's, let's go back to this idea about how getting this concept and really figuring out how to get back to 
as you say, five, mm. getting back to that middle, right? How, how does that actually improve our relationships? I mean, how am I going to show up better as, as a boyfriend or a husband or a father or, or a leader or any of those things? How am I going to show up better in those ways by getting this right? One, you're not going to perpetuate the behaviors and or thought process that creates either higher or lower, right? So it's like you're going to understand the importance of level setting people when you level set yourself. As you work on yourself and you start to understand yourself at a deeper level, your communication style is going to be completely different because you're going to be more patient. You're going to be more empathetic. You're going to be more understanding because you're going to realize not everybody is out to get you and you are a valuable human being. You're just going to become a more evolved human. Yeah. And when you're more evolved, every situation you're in is more evolved and there's more potential there. I know that's a very like, you know, woo-woo answer, but that's the... When you work on yourself, you become capable of influencing things in different ways. And yeah. when you work on the weaknesses, those weaknesses don't have to show up in your relationship anymore with your partner, children. I love the fact that you brought this up because I think there there's a principle and it's really more of a, a biblical principle. But I think that a lot of people, even outside of people who have a Christian background, also kind of buy into this idea that the man is supposed to be the leader in the home, right? And I think so many times when we think about that phrase, be the leader in the home, it gets the wrong associations. It means I'm the boss. I, I tell everybody what to do or whatever, right? And that's not what leadership is. Mm. Leadership, first and foremost, is about setting the mood, right? It's about creating the culture of your environment. And what you just talked about there, when you become less judgmental, when you stop feeling like the world is out to get you, when you start to think that actually the people around you want the best for you, that they have your best interest at heart, the vibes that you're going to set are totally different. And your spouse, your kids, they're going to react to those vibes differently than they react to the vibes you're giving out now. It's, that's a very good, very, very good point. And you're also going to be able to teach things through experience that you maybe weren't capable of. My wife gave me a wonderful compliment recently. She said, because of you, I'm far better at setting boundaries. Like, do you know why? It's because I've leaned more into my self-worth over the last four years. That's why you just see that yeah. you see me setting boundaries and you say, Oh, interesting. Kevin sets boundaries that way. Let me practice that. That's really all it is. It's yeah. if, if the people around you are going to be influenced by what you do, if you increase the quality of what you do, you're going to influence people positively. So yeah, to your, to your point. And I think the other thing about it too, is you're most likely going to become more I don't want to say approachable. You're probably going to be better to be around. Yeah. Because somebody who doesn't believe in themselves at times, it's hard. It's maybe hard to be around that person if they're always saying, oh, it's the end of the world. You know, nothing's going right. It's very hard to be around somebody who's arrogant. Yeah. It can be very hard to be around somebody who has low self-worth because they might, they don't believe in themselves and they might, they might throw dirt on your big goals and your dreams or your celebrations. And on the other end, the, 
if it's too high, they might just say, well, it's all going to work out the way it's supposed to anyway. Like we don't have to worry about it. Yeah. You're going to be balanced. And when you're balanced, you're probably more positive to be around anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. I had a call actually with a client recently and we talked a little bit about this concept, right? Where he was expressing some frustration that he feels very underappreciated in his house, right? And specifically, one of the areas he feels underappreciated is that his children always go to his wife for everything, and they don't come to him, right? And and it's you know that can be hard as, as a man if you're if you have children and you're working hard and you're doing all these things that you don't necessarily enjoy doing that you don't want to do them, but you're doing them because it's in the best interest of your family. And then you just feel like your family looks at you as an ATM, basically, right? It's, it's kind of how that starts to feel. And so he was very frustrated that anytime that the kids have any issues whatsoever, they go to the wife instead of him. And I asked him, I said, when's the last time that you openly allowed your children to know that you struggle with anything? And he thought for a second, he goes, I don't think I've ever done that because I, I want them to see me as strong. Like they need their dad to be strong. And I said, why would they come to you and express problems that they're having when the image that you've put out to them is that you're above reproach? Mm. And, and it just like, it hit him like a, like a sledgehammer, right? Because the reality is, and I think so many guys are, find themselves in this situation, we buy into this belief that society has given us that we're supposed to hide our emotions, that we're supposed to be strong, that we're supposed to be the ones who just take it and just deal with it and shove it all down, that we don't realize that the message that we're communicating to everybody else is that we don't need anything, mm-hmm. even when we do. 100%. And just, just like you said, th- that wasn't even spoken. That was just unspoken. I don't complain yeah. about the stuff that I'm going through. Perpetuating that, it's yeah. that's most likely going to get passed on to the next generation. It is. It's not even what you're saying. It's how you're showing up. It's your energy. It's your focus. It's you know whether or not you're holding a cell phone when you're talking to somebody. Like That really shifts things, and that really impacts things. And it's it's a challenge because you don't really know how it's impacting somebody Yeah. until somebody like you comes in and asks the right question. Yeah. Really? You know? So, so let me ask you this. So I, I think a lot of guys, they might hear that and they might say, okay, I, I get what you're saying. It makes sense. But I also don't want to just walk around and complain about everything all the time. Right? Like I don't want to just drop all my burdens on everybody else. So can you maybe give us some practical strategies for somebody to be able to open up, be able to share with their families the things that they're experiencing without it just turning into, you know, the uh, the garbage dump of like, I'm just going to throw all my problems on you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, le- level one, the simplest thing is I would start sharing with somebody who you feel safe with first, even if it's not your family. Yeah. Because- Again, going back to the the example we use, the stuff that's closest to the heart is usually the hardest thing to to work around. Yeah. So find somebody, somebody you work with, whatever, somebody you feel safe sharing some stuff with. 
and start sharing with that person. Then I would say, just think of it from a place of, is this going to be constructive or is this just going to be me sharing for the sake of sharing? Or am I just complaining because I want somebody to listen? Because there's nothing wrong with venting as long as the other person knows that you're venting, not looking for some sort of response or some sort of strategy. That's that's part two. And then part three, when it comes time to like actually do it, create some sort of mechanism to do it. So for me, I go to my wife and I say, hey, can I have a vulnerable share? Yeah. That's what I say. And that's when she knows... Kevin's about to open up with something that is very meaningful to him. It might be very scary. And I'm going to, I'm going to sit here and make a safe space for him. And then I do it. And then we kind of go off and figure out, okay, what's the conversation around that? Maybe I'm, I'm starting to resent something, whatever it may be. And then we go from there. The whole thought process around this though, is it's going to be very, very hard for you to be vulnerable with anybody else until you're vulnerable, vulnerable with yourself first. Mm. That's why this whole thing starts with that philosophical, what's the work you're doing on yourself? Because the work you're doing on yourself is going to carry over to everything else. But that's kind of the the formula I would approach it with. Yeah. Yeah, I think this goes back to something you talked about earlier, which was a lot of women, when they're young girls, they start journaling. Mm -hmm. and, and I think journaling is a great place for people to start because it's something that's private, something that no one else has to see right now. But there's something about writing it down that makes it feel like somebody might see it. Mm. Even, even if you're going to take that thing and lock it up in Fort Knox, right? <laughs> like yeah, yeah. it still can feel like somebody might see it. So there's still that little bit of uneasiness about it, that discomfort with putting it down. Mm. But it is so much better to get things written out or to say them out loud than it is just to keep them in your head. When it's written, it feels real. Yeah. You know, it's it's like concrete. It's It exists. You took the time. You invested. You committed. One, one other thing I might add is understand what result you're actually trying to get when you do communicate with someone, P partner, children, family, whatever, mm -hmm. because that's going to dictate the approach anyway. It's very challenging if you open up, you get vulnerable, you get brave, you get courageous, you share something and then you don't get the response you expected and it makes things, it triggers you. Yeah. Where if you go in and just say, hey, I'm not looking for advice on this. I'm just looking to vent because I feel like maybe maybe me getting it out will bring us closer. So I'm not looking for a response. I'm not looking for any problem solved or anything, or I am. I'm looking for strategy. Maybe you see something that I don't. What could I do better here? Yeah. At least that way, whoever you're communicating with you're on level playing field. So they actually understand what energy, what vibe, what strategy you're looking for. Yeah. And I think something to add to that is be careful about who you go to, right? I mean, you kind of alluded to that earlier because let's say right now that you've been very shut off, you, you don't express things and there's a lot of defensiveness, right? And defensiveness usually comes from us trying to validate ourselves right? It's having low so forth makes you defensive. And so a lot of guys out there, they may find themselves right now in a situation where they've created an environment in their marriage where their spouse is kind of in this tick for tack type environment, right? And if you just go to this person out of the blue and you go, you know what, I want to open up. I want to be, you know, honest with you about something that I have going on. 
you're probably not going to get the response that you're hoping for right now, right? Because they're not in a place yet to be able to, to give you that. Because right now they think you're still at war, okay? <laughs> so you need to find someone outside of your marriage in that instance. And maybe that's a coach, maybe that's a counselor, maybe that's a friend, whatever, right? But you go and you find someone outside of that relationship that you can start to do this internal work because you can't make other people change. But like we said earlier, when you start to change, other people will naturally start to change around you because they're, the reactions they have now, they're reacting to what you're doing. So when you change what you're doing, they will react differently. It's hard because in an ideal world, everybody would go into a relationship with the understanding that it's about growth, but that's not a lot of us start relationships when we're young and we don't really know what the hell we're doing. Again, I've been to many of those. Yes. But yeah, it is. It's if you can get to the point where you and your family and your partner and, and everybody in your life understands that relationships are about growth. Mm -hmm. They're not about completing you. They're not about all of that. It's about growing together. It's about growing separately so you can bring more to the to the family, to the household, to whatever, to the universe, whatever it is you believe in. And together you become more. Yeah. So you go get better. Your your family goes goes and gets better. Your partner goes and get better. Okay, cool. Now you bring it together, and the sum is greater than the parts. Always. Yeah. So something that you brought up in the pre-interview that I think kind of makes sense to talk about here is the way that you communicate, right? When especially when it comes to the way you see yourself and how that affects your communication. So if one thing that a lot of us guys tend to do is be problem solvers, right? <laughs> so. Your wife comes to you, she's open, she's honest about what she's got going on, she's telling you about her day, and what do we do? <laughs> we jump, jump right in there like, I got a solution for you, babe, let's, let's do this, right? We can get this thing fixed in the next five minutes. Uh, but that doesn't always work out, and I think a lot of guys are confused on why. Uh, so <laughs> give us some insight here. Yeah, I would say it's, uh, again, it just goes back to the intentionality behind the communication. Not everybody's looking for an answer. I mean, Google, Google's out there if people are looking for answers. Yeah. Some people just want to be seen. Some people just want to be heard. Some people just want to be validated. Some people just want to vent. Yeah. I'm, I'm that way. I get, I get that way too. So my approach has always been, do you want support or do you want strategy or do you want a shoulder or do you want strategy? That's always the question I ask when my, my wife brings something up. Because I'm, Stephen, I'm as guilty as any human walk on the planet of, interesting, have you ever thought of doing it A, B, C, D, E, F, or G way? Yeah. No, that's that's not the answer. Um, and I think just a deeper, just a deeper level and a deeper understanding is how does, how does communication with your partner go? Like what is the normal, if we were just to think of like a diagram, it starts here and then one of us gets heated and then we turn off to the conversation I tend to walk, leave the room. My partner tends to stay and they want to talk. You have to understand the, the traumas and the triggers. Mm -hmm. Also, another important thing, and this has been a very important breakthrough for me, you have to understand what the personal Richter scale is. And all I mean when I say that is, if somebody grew up in a household where there was a lot of arguing, mm. a level two argument for them might be like a level six argument for you or dis, uh, whatever disagreement, whatever word you want to use. Yeah. Just understanding that their experience is going to completely dictate their communication style and yours is too. And a two for you might be an eight for them or an eight for them might be, you know, a 10 for you. 
knowing that about your partner is so, 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 and about yourself is so incredibly important. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I've never really thought about it in the context of relationships, but it it is something that I teach people when it comes to creating habits and, and setting up your environment for success, right? I can sit here and tell people, yeah, you know what? For the majority of people, having your room at like 68 degrees Fahrenheit and nice and quiet and blackout curtains and all that stuff is going to create an optimal sleep environment. But if you're someone who grew up in a neighborhood that was always loud, there were always police sirens and things like that going, silence might be the most uncomfortable thing in the world to you, right? Or if you grew up in a house that had like 12 kids, right? Silence might feel really uncomfortable to you. And so you go and follow this advice that everybody else has given, and you're like, it doesn't work for me. Why? Am I broken? No, you just... You just have a different set of inputs that you were given. So you process information differently. Yeah. Well, it's the same here. The same here. You got to take what you hear and run it through your own filter. It's like, eh, I don't know if that would work for me. I don't know. Well, maybe that would work. Yeah. And then you just test stuff. Yeah. You just test stuff. I'm sure I've had a million things that I've tried that just didn't didn't work the way that I expected. And then you just kind of reformulate the plan and, and re-attack the problem and rinse and repeat forever. Yeah, I, I always say, if you want to know if someone is a really good coach, there's a very simple test. And it is, you see how many times they give very specific, detailed answers versus how many times they say it depends. Mm. Because great coaches say it depends a lot because they understand the nuances of individuals versus inexperienced coaches give you textbook answers that assume that everyone has the exact same set of, set of circumstances. Well, I had a really good coach who used to say, if I was in your skin, that's what he used to say. If I was in your skin, not what I would do. No, no, no. It's not what you would do. If I was in your skin, this is what I would do. It's a little weird, weird phrasing, but I agree. I agree. It, there are so many intricacies to life. Yeah. I couldn't imagine. I, I was on a, right before this, this is how weird life is. I was on a podcast that predominantly speaks to single moms. Mm -hmm. And I literally at one point said, I can't claim to know what it's like to be a single mom. I can only understand to the level I can understand. I don't know. I have two cats, Stephen, two of them. That's it. Those are my fur babies. That's what I got. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's interesting because I think everyone has to realize the number of factors that go into all this, right? Because when you start to think about it, we talked about having empathy, right? This is like empathy next level, right? Like like the way I did that next level. I did very much. <laughs> so when, when you look at empathy, usually it's a matter of like understanding where somebody's coming from. But if we take it up a notch, we can start to look at not just where are they coming from, but why are they coming from there? And your perspective and my perspective is, is white males is going to be different than if someone was African-American or someone was Asian, right? Completely different environments. Mm -hmm. You know, someone who is male versus female, right? These are, you know, different. Or someone who identifies as non-binary, their experience is going to be completely different. So when you start thinking about why other people react... It's easy, I think, sometimes to go with the simple answer. Well, that's, you know, they were just brought up in a household where that's where they were taught. Mm 
but most of us are not just forged by one environment. We're usually forged by multiple environments, multiple circumstances, the things we see on TV, the things we see in movies, the things we learn in school, the people that we hang around, all these different things have an impact on us. Mm, yeah. And even like starting from the domino effect of maybe where you raised was different and then where you raised, where you were raised affected the people you spent time with who then affected the college you went to that affected the person you dated. It's it's very strange how one thing affects everything. Yeah. But everything also affects one thing. At the end of the day, I think self-awareness is the thing. I really do. I, I think if you can work more on self-awareness and understand all the things that Stephen just said, when you understand yourself at a deep level, you start to understand everything at a deeper level because everything you come up, come in contact with is going to be influenced by you. Yeah, when the first thing I have people do when they start work with me, right, I have this blueprint that I use, and it's three pillars in here. So you have vision, you have discipline, and then you have mastery. And vision is where I always start with everybody because I'm like, until you get super clear on what you want things to look like, and I don't just mean in general, I don't mean, well, I want to make $10,000 a month or whatever, right? We're talking, what does daily life look like? What are your actions? What are your thoughts? What are your beliefs? Who else is there with you? What kind of things are y'all doing? What's around you? What's your environment look like? Until you start getting super clear on what every single aspect of your life is going to look like in your ideal scenario, you don't really know what actions to take. You're just kind of guessing, right? And mm -hmm. even if you take an action, then it's like, well, maybe that feels right. Maybe it doesn't. But if you don't get that clear, like this feels right. And sometimes you can take things that would absolutely feel super right to you. But if you have nothing to align them to, you don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very, very well said. We do core beliefs, core aspirations, and core values. Yeah. So very similar. It's what are your core beliefs? Yeah about the world what are your core values as a human being what are your core aspirations anytime any of those are in conflict it's time to have a conversation but it, it does it, it starts from a place of of clarity and that's why at the end of the day you have to ask yourself what are you looking for in a relationship what are you looking for in a household what are you looking for in a family because that determines everything that determines everything you do it determines everything you don't do it determines the expectations it determines the approach everything everything is based on one level of clarity yeah and I think one thing that people may not think about here, but I want to just throw it out here and be very honest. There may come a time, okay? Most people, when they start making the change, they're, they're going to they're gonna be happy with what comes out of it, right? They're going to they're gonna love the results. Things are going to change for the better. But there are going to be some people out there, and I just want people to be aware that this may happen. Where you may make changes, you may start to become the person you want to become, and you may realize that the people around you, they no longer fit into your vision. And that could be a spouse. It could be a best friend. It could be family members. And you can't do anything to make that person change. So you're going to have to make a decision on whether you want to keep that person in your life and just kind of accommodate to the differences or whether you need to just end that relationship. And that can be super tough, but I, I at least wanted to put it out there and let people know, like, hey, yes, this can happen, mm. right? It's, and it can be scary, but
but I want to be very honest with you guys because I don't want to paint this picture of if you do this, everything is just automatically going to be rosy because it may not be. I know we we only have a, a couple of minutes. Last, very much on that line, one of my favorite questions for people to ask themselves, are the people in your life the best from your past or the best for your future? Yep. A lot of people in our lives, because they've always been in our lives, or we used to podcast together, we used to go to college, party, whatever, it doesn't necessarily mean they're what's what's best for your future. A very, very good point, but in, to your point, Stephen, very challenging. It's one of the things that sucks the most. Outgrowing people, being outgrown, being misaligned around certain people, but the the importance of it speaks to how challenging it is to fix. Yeah, and you know what? If it makes people feel better about it, some I think the hard one there is obviously if it's a spouse, right? Of course, but of course. Outside of that relationship, most relationships are actually a little easier to walk away from. <laughs> uh, so it might feel difficult to walk away, but keep in mind that this person also has you in their life for the same reason that you had them in yours. Mm. So when you become a different person, they may also be afraid to just walk away from the relationship because you've always been there, but they no longer like the person that you are, right? They, they don't like this new you. And all that's going to happen is they're going to constantly look for ways to bring you down, like what we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you start to see that, it might be difficult, it might be hard, but man, walking away from those relationships sometimes, or as, as Kevin put it a little more positively, outgrowing people. <laughs> I like, I say reallocate time. Because yeah. I know for for most people, maybe it's not realistic, just say, you know what, I'm not going to be your friend anymore. But reallocating time and just saying, look, I'm going to start putting boundaries up around how often I see this person again. Yeah. That's self-worth and that's how it all ties together. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 Fortunately, do not possess that uh, that issue. I I'm, I'm cold blooded with that. I'm just like, <laughs> no, it's first does anymore. Get out of here. <laughs> well, there's there's a there's a detriment to every benefit, so I, I'm sure yeah. something comes with it, right? But it's a yeah. good superpower to have. I mean, I guess it depends on you know if you if you like having a lot of people around, um, because yeah. my my circle does tend to stay small for that reason. But same, I'm, same. but I'm okay with that because I like small circles. So. Quality, quality, quality over quantity. Yeah, and no, and no judgment for those who love big circles. More, mm -hmm. more power to you if that's what fills your cup. I do it right. Like no judgment. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Uh, so, any final thoughts here that you want to kind of wrap up, or anything we didn't talk about that you want to make sure that uh, we touch on? I would just say, yeah, just try to try to continue to become more familiar with yourself. And anytime something pops up, ask yourself why. Thoughts, feelings, emotions, triggers, beliefs. Ask yourself why. Where does this come from? Did I even decide this? Did I download this? Was this given to me? Is this just my operating software? Asking yourself why is a one of the easiest, cheapest things you can do to start the process of self-awareness. Yeah. Yeah. And I think so many times when we want to make our lives better, there can be this sticking point of, I don't know where to start. And I think the advice you just gave there, right, of start with awareness, start to understand why things are the way they are. And then you'll have a much clear picture of what, if anything needs to change and what you want to change too, which is going to then make it easier to go out and find somebody who can specifically help you change the thing. If you need external help. Mm, clarity, clarity is first. Awesome, man. Uh, so Kevin, tell everyone if they would like to connect with you, how they can do that. 
I'm sure Alan probably said the thing, the same thing many moons ago, but you can just search uh, Next Level University. We're on all the podcast platforms. That's probably the best place to to learn about us. And then my email is kevin at nextleveluniverse.com. Questions, comments, concerns. I do my own email, so I'm happy to hear from you. Awesome. Well, appreciate it, man. Uh, thank you so much for, for coming on today, sharing sharing your wisdom, your insights, and you know, maybe one day I'll have to get you back and we'll talk a little bit about your personal story as well. Cause I know you've got a very interesting story that you can uh, share, but I'm happy. I'm sure people probably find that on your platforms as well. If they're, if they're interested, definitely, in it, definitely. So. but I'm happy to come back in the future. If, if we, uh, I'm sure our paths will cross again, Steven, I'm sure of that. Awesome, man. Well, again, thank you uh, so much to Kevin Palmieri for coming today. Uh, and you guys go check out uh, Kevin and, Allen over at Next Level University. But as always, guys, this is Stephen Box reminding you that while none of us are born unshakable, we can all become unshakable. Thank you for listening to the Unshakable Habits Podcast with Coach Stephen Box. Be sure to hit the subscribe button and help us spread the word by sharing the podcast with other men. If you're ready to create unshakable habits, you can learn more and connect with us at unshakablehabits.com.